Welcome to the Off Duty On Duty Podcast, episode number 17. Training female shooters. I'm your host, Brian Eastridge. Welcome to the podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com podcast network. The Off Duty On Duty Podcast, we take topics relevant to today's gun owners and we tackle them from the perspective of everyday concealed carriers and the perspective of on duty law enforcement to give you both angles of discussion. Today, I'm joined by my old friend Michael Burgess of MS Range Therapy in Lillington, North Carolina. We're going to talk about training female shooters. He's carved out quite a niche for himself training female concealed carriers. First, a message from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Mountain Man Medical. Mountain Man Medical is focused on two core principles. First, build med kits and trauma kits that consist of name brand and proven tested components. Second, make them the most affordable of any company on the market. Check out the full lineup of products and kits from mountainmanmedical.com. And remember, law enforcement officers, firearms instructors, and other professionals can save up to 15%. Yeah, Mountain Man Medical, I don't know if you've been paying attention to their social media page, but they just delivered a bunch of trauma kits and med kits to a local law enforcement agency up there, I believe in Colorado. If you are a smaller agency, check them out at mountainmanmedical.com. Get a hold of Brian McLaughlin and the guys over at concealedcarry.com. And if you're a small agency, you know, a 10, 15 man department, you need to get your guys outfitted with trauma kits. Give those guys a call. All right, this episode number 17. We're going to talk to my old friend, Michael Burgess from MS Range Therapy, uh, a place that uh, has hosted me in the past and did an excellent job. I recommend if you are a fellow firearms instructor, if the opportunity comes up to train at Michael's facility, which is on his property out there in Lillington, North Carolina, that you take it full advantage of it. Uh, we've already discussed having a couple of our fellow instructors out there. Great facility. Michael cooks some great chow and Michael dipped his toe into the teaching waters over the last couple of years. And he seems to have carved himself out this fine niche of how to get women shooters involved in concealed carry. And we're going to talk a little back and forth because my experience in training female shooters has just been from the law enforcement side where they have to be there. It's a requirement for the job. So it's, it's a little bit different circumstance and a little bit different conditions as opposed to getting women involved in concealed carry. Let's bring in our guest. Michael, can you hear me? Yes, sir. All right. Perfect. We are uh, using Zoom with Michael for the first time, and so uh, hopefully we'll have no audio issues from here on out because sometimes when he and I chat on the phone, get a little sketchy. A little background. Uh, when did we start shooting together? 2000? Uh, yeah, like 2000. Two- Seems like forever ago. Yeah, it was like a. I think if uh, we we had kids when uh, when we were shooting together, they'd both be in college now. I believe. Actually, I think oh, yeah. you had one that is in college now. That uh, that when uh, we were practicing and shooting IDPA and a little little background. There's a range facility in Lillington or uh, the the unincorporated municipality of Bun Level, North Carolina, back in the day, called Range One, and uh, I was had the great fortune to meet some guys out there and that's kind of where i kicked off my competition shooting experience and uh got to hang out with michael and the range manager jason who uh we attended TACCON together and we've stayed in touch over the years and 
was the place I met Dave Harrington and Ernest Langdon and a bunch of great shooters from the East Coast. Uh, that started in about 2000 and, uh, let's see, when did you, when did you get your range facility there? Your private facility? When did that come online? Bob, I think the first of last year and all, it was one of the, one of those things where it was just, I wanted a place to shoot and it was so much easier for me to just build something right here in my backyard. And I have a very understanding wife who enjoys watching me shoot so she blessed off on it and it's like 30 yards uh long and we got up to 25 yards we can we shoot what 14 15 people comfortably yeah. at a time so it, it's but it, it was it was out of uh wanting to shoot and and not having the time to go somewhere and shoot when you got 30 minutes in the afternoon you can go out and I can click up a target and I can practice and I don't have to load all my stuff up and go somewhere, pay a range fee, set my bag out on the patio and turn the music on and shoot. Yeah. And I will set the stage for any of you instructors that are listening. Uh, and I'm aiming this at you, Hanny and Spencer keepers. I literally, uh, did the first kind of real formalized class. I say formalized. It was kind of a hodgepodge of people that I'd never met. Plus some people from, uh, his local area there. And a couple guys drove in from Charlotte and a couple of our old, uh, buddies from range one and been in the traveling instructor game for about a year and a half. And Michael hosted me and I would literally, I would wake up breakfast was on the table. I would walk 15 feet to the back patio and there the students awaited. So if you, if, if you're having any apprehension about, well, I don't know if I should go out there and train. If this guy invites you to his facility, take him up on it. Cause a, the chow is worth the price of admission, right? So you got into concealed care, the North Carolina concealed carrier. How do they phrase it? Is it concealed handgun license or concealed North Carolina CCW? So it's, that's easy enough to remember like everywhere else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some places yeah, got, have a CHL and North Carolina requires you to take the two hour. It's an eight hour class with two hours of law and six hours of handgun training. I basically used the qualifier to establish the fact that can shoot the handgun. And I, I, I try to keep it simple and more women show up than men. And that's how it started. And my classes are usually 80, 20. Really? So, so what yeah. kicked off that it, you started into the, the, the instructor like formalizing because you, whether people realize it or not, if you're the gun guy in the neighborhood, you're the instructor, right? So you kicked off into formalizing it with the, the NRA's instructor curriculum, right? That's right. In NRA basic pistol. And then I took the NRA's, uh, concealed carry instructors course, which you got to have something of that affiliation or law enforcement or some something of that type in order to to teach the ccw class and i wanted to do it talk to you about it a whole bunch <laughs> and i enjoyed your class and i was like you know i think i think i can do this i actually enjoy it and it pays for my pays for most of my hobby right michael and i had shot together over the course of 20 years a lot um you know, off and on and more so in the last two years than the previous like 17, but 
you know, I kind of formalized a class and started doing this skill builder class. And he came to one October of 18. He came out here. Yeah, and, I thought blew out to Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. He, he came through my class curriculum and we both kind of had this, man, I wish we'd have both known this like 20 years ago. Tell me how, how did the whole, I hate to say target market, but how did that come about where you ended up being very female heavy in your classes and I, I like heavy as in like student attendance being more females than, than men. My wife is a school, is a school teacher. She teaches autistic kids at mm-hmm. uh, the Fort Bragg schools. Yeah. And she was one of the first ones. And I mean, I practiced my teaching on her too. There's been a whole lot of, uh, you gotta be kidding me looks and let's do it this way instead of that way. So, I mean, she's a fantastic teacher. So she's helped me a whole lot. Chris McLean's wife was one of the first ones. And I called her and I said, look, I have a class, help a brother out. And she brought a crowd of ladies with her. And it's just kind of went from there. And then the, the next class had one or two ladies in it and they brought a couple. And it's just, I think one of the things is, is that most ladies are intimidated by the high end and the, military instructors around here the yeah. guys that are special forces the guys that are are at the range every day the law enforcement that it's an intimidate they, they don't feel like they can connect with that it's just kind of intimidating for them because one they're not sure to start with they know they need to they want to but they're kind of apprehensive and they don't want to be overpowered by the instructor and that's i mean i i got a house full of girls so you know i mean how many, <laughs> so, so you got three girls of your own and, and, and what, two that are, uh, yeah. blended hey, there. I, I've got, yeah. So five, I got, so do yeah. you think that so, is just throwing this out there? Do you think that having a, uh, the, the female to male ratio in your own household has, has helped you to become a more adaptable instructor to teaching, uh, female students? Well, all I know is that you you don't have to be patient with men, but you best be patient with ladies. Yeah, because I got a son too, and and he's completely different from the rest of them. You tell him what you want him to do, and if he don't like that, you tell him a little harder. If you got girls and you tell them what they want to do, and they don't like that, you got to figure out how to tell them a different way because they're not changing. Right. And when it comes when it comes to, but a lot of what I got comes from. Uh, actually my wife does and she helps me a lot and I, because she she's a school teacher she's a fantastic school teacher and yeah. teaching you know it's kind of it sounds weird but the special needs but you got to break things down they're they're really intelligent kids but you got to figure out how to get the small amount of information to them because they don't need a whole lot they need a little bit and teaching ladies they don't need a whole lot of instruction they just need you to tell them what you want from them and then let that digest and then let them do that. And right. then they, they're, they're fantastic shooters. Cause I'm telling you, they, they take instruction very well. Cause one, they've made the decision to come and take an eight hour concealed carry course. That's only two hours of law, which my class usually is probably four and a half hours, maybe five hours of shooting or in three and a half to three hours of law, because the law is interesting too in North Carolina, 
because concealed carry is not set up for the concealed carrier. Right. They, and they made it that way. But knowing the laws helps you understand and having a small class, women ask fantastic questions. So Even when it comes to the gun stuff, they, they, they not so much as the, well, why does that work? Because you tell them what you want them to know. Cause that's all they really want you to do is tell them what they need to know. They don't want the fluff. They don't want all that stuff. They want to know why the gun's not going to hop out of my hand. Well, if you're holding it, if you're gripping it as hard as you can consistently grip it, it's not going to come out of your hand. You know, with, with guys, we, we tend to be very closed off when it comes to the fear factor of the gun. It's just kind of mm-hmm. ingrained into the masculine nature, but one of the reasons I wanted you on the podcast is in our talks in the last, you know, six, eight months since you've been teaching female students is I get tasked with teaching female police officers. And one of the things that I've seen is, is I have to, I can't just stay in the canned program. I kind of have to. I won't say adjust the curriculum, but there's, there's some other factors there in my role as a law enforcement firearms instructor. I have only so much time. I have only so much material that I can give. And I like to be able to break some of the communication barrier because let's face it. We have to get you trained to the state standard or you're not going to be employed the week after. So it, there's not a, I won't say there's not a thirst for knowledge there, but it's a different circumstance when I'm training people in the law enforcement realm versus somebody that's going to come to M and S range therapy and pay for that knowledge or, or is actually seeking it out. And I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you when you said, you know, law enforcement, military, a lot of those types of instructors. And what I mean by types of instructors is instructors from that background. It can be very intimidating for somebody that is not necessarily anti-gun, but somebody that is kind of not in that non-gun category where they want that knowledge, but they, they're looking for a path to find it. And you can really turn people away quickly. And I, and I got to I got to throw props to you over and over again because every time you call me you're like, "Man, I had another group of concealed carriers come in and I had eight women and two guys." And I'm like, "Man, it, I wish that my classes could structure that way, but I think part of the apprehension is, well, that guy's a law enforcement, he's a law enforcement instructor and he was in the military, so he's going to teach me something or he's going to you know, make us run laps or say, you know, whatever it is, there's this apprehension there. I kind of want to find some ways to break through those barriers. And I think you've been masterful at it. And one of the other reasons, and this is really selfish to get you on the podcast was I, I kind of wanted to know what the secret, the, the secret was, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like how do I get it's, that market in my civilian classes? You got to make, get a rapport enough with them that they're willing to tell you what they're afraid of. That's interesting. Start out, I start my classes out in the winter time. We do the shooting portion first because it's the longest and we shoot the qualifier like midday or so. And then we spend that the afternoon 
is in with the law. But the first thing I ask them is, all right, what what are you most afraid of? Is it the safety test? Is it the standard law test? Or is it the shoot and fall that we're going to shoot right out there in about four and a half hours or five hours? And they're all every, the the men don't say nothing because they're they're like, uh, but the women go, I am scared to death that I'm going to fail that part. And I tell them, I said, I'm going to tell that, you that part exactly being which, which part, how. which part, the shooting part. Okay. Good. Yeah. They so afraid to shoot. The, they got to hit a, a silhouette 27 out of 40 times from three, five and seven yards. And it just, it just, it, it just handicaps them mentally until you tell them, don't worry about that. I'm going to give you the secret to that. It is as simple as this, but it's, all you got to do is it's as simple as this and easy as applying the principles that I'm going to show you in the next six hours. So, so when and you say it's as simple as this, quantify this. Grip the gun as hard as you can consistently grip it and keep the sights aligned. Don't move the sights off. But see, not moving the sights off comes from gripping the gun as hard as you can consistently grip it. If you do that, you're not looking at hitting a one inch circle consistently. You're like, you're trying to put rounds into like a less than an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper and yeah. rounds on target. You know, and I start the, I start the, the range portion with four rounds from three yards so that I can assess their grip and show them that it ain't going to come out of their hand. And you'd be surprised. They sit there and shoot 10 rings. One right after the other. The first one or the second one kind of startles them, but the third and fourth one are ten rings. And then we work on firing on demand. I mean, that's we do strong hand firing on demand, and we do uh, both hands. But that the state doesn't mandate anything other than you got to have thirty rounds from three, five, and seven. Ten rounds from each. Yeah. So I shoot forty out of fifty, and that gives them 10 rounds to, to warm up if they want to warm up and all that. But with it's, it's amazing how after you show them, cause I show them, I put the, the grip in their hand and I tell them to all right, casually grip it. They casually grip it. And I sit there and wiggle it around in their hand. I said, now, now, now grip it consistently as hard as you can. And they grip it hard and they see it doesn't move. The lights come on. But I don't tell them about trigger press. I don't tell them about trigger jerk. I don't say don't jerk the trigger. I don't say pin the trigger to the wall. Don't reset it. I don't say any of that. You don't have to tell them that. If you don't tell them that, they don't know that. Right. Well, I tell them. They run the trigger. It's like like you said about dialing a phone. You don't tell somebody to push the nine and then release the nine. You tell them to dial 911 and they dial it. Right. It's the same thing. I mean, I've had them come in and they... They Rob Latham slapped the trigger. You're like, Jesus Christ, look how hard she's slapping the trigger. And you just see, you see the rounds hitting steel, a fist size group at like nine or 10 yards. That's high chest right in the center. Boom, 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 boom. One right after the other. I sent you the video. Yeah, I saw that. And, and that was one of the things that inspired me to want to get you on the podcast was I'm like, I was watching this female shooter that you'd videoed with, you know, with, with her approval and all that, that 
Hey, I yep. want to use this as an example. And I'm, and even some of the, what I would say, controversial aspects of trigger control that I've had, I went, man, that is all on and all off. And she is consistently shooting about a four inch group at 10 yards, high center chest. And I thought, man, how does this guy in a 50, you shoot what, maybe a hundred rounds in your course? Maybe. No, it ain't, but it ain't, but 40 rounds in the course, but 40 she was rounds. shooting. She was, she was the what? So 40 she rounds was, in the course 40. and yep. you're getting that kind of result that quickly. And as a law enforcement yep. firearms instructor, I go, how do I get there that fast? Now I have methods I do in civilian classes that I can within about 10 to 15 rounds for the listening audience. I'll preface this with Michael called me and told me I can get them in four rounds to put the, put the pieces together. And I was like, well, I used to say in 15 rounds, I can make a shooter (laughs) in in 1500 rounds. I can make a really good shooter. I'm like, how? And, And then I saw that video of the, of this, this lady shooting steel. And I thought, man, how do you get that much information packed in that quickly? And what are some of the challenges you see from that? You've kind of unlocked that already, but, uh, what do you think the biggest hurdle for a female shooter? And let's just say, I, let's say I'm, I'm a, you know, 30 year old woman. I'm, I'm, doesn't matter married single and I've got my my first handgun and I'm going to come to MS range therapy what's the first hurdle I got to get over got to get there show up that's the first thing because that that same that same lady called me twice for directions from right down the road and then when she got there she was a little bit late and all and then after the class she said I was so afraid of the shooting qualification that I almost didn't come. I was at the intersection and I almost turned around because I was so afraid of the shooting qual. So and I was like, why? So and she was like, but it, it's fantastic when she looks down the line at her significant other and she goes, Oh, this is fun. And I'm like, yeah, dude, you're screwed. <laughs> you're getting ready to have to up your ammo budget, bro. Yeah, you fix it. It's fixing the cost, you bro. So, so oh, the, she, the she, she's shooting a borrowed gun and everything. I mean, she was. That's how. That's how green she was. She she shot my Sig P320 compact carry, which I have to admit, it's a sweet shooter because it's it's set up to shoot. My my wife shoots it, so and and she's like wider. She'll light you up with it, but. It, she was shooting. No, she. Was, I take that back. She's shooting my Glock 17, Gen 3 Glock 17, and she's hitting high center, fist size groups with a Glock 17 that she's never shot before. So I don't want to hear anybody talk about I can't shoot a Glock. Well, if this lady who's never shot a gun before picks up a Glock and she's banging steel after 40 rounds, nah, come on, man. And you ought to see her target. I mean, she's got pretty little. It's you know the groups are not. You're not looking at groups like you and I would shoot. But man, you're talking about putting it in the in a eight uh, eight inch wide by eight or nine inch tall 
square in the center of the target. You know, all them rounds count. They don't count. That. They don't all have the same point value, but they all count. So, and in a, in a pinch, at least she knows where her rounds are going. So, and I think that's one of the biggest things that scares them is that is actually the they they're afraid of the handgun jumping out of their hand. And once they see that if you got if you got your trigger finger in a trigger guard and least got your thumb down one side, it ain't coming out your hand. So even if you're firing the hottest loads you got, it still ain't gonna come out your hand. So and let once me, they get past that, they're it's on then. They're so ready to roll. Let me ask you this. Um so showing up, that's the first major hurdle. That is something that as a law enforcement firearms instructor, I don't deal with the showing up. It is, this is part of your employment. You have to be here. What, what would you say? The instructor, she's, she spent the time and the money and she stepped out there to show up. Then it's your job as the instructor to understand that she is way outside of her comfort zone. And if you want to connect to her, you go on and let her know up front that you understand she's out of her comfort zone and you reassure her that it's okay to be out of her comfort zone. And you say that with sincerity. Then all of a sudden you got somebody that's dialed in. They're listening to what you're saying. They're hearing you to ask good questions, not just to respond. They're hearing you to understand what you're talking about. And you can see it, the questions that they ask and I'll, I mean, and, and they're different. Women are different than men. They think about stuff differently than we do. Their thought processes are, are different. You know, and I mean, I'm, that's not, not being sexist or nothing. But if you want to connect with them, you kind of got to, to, to give it to them in, in a manner that they understand, not want them to understand you. You got to understand them. As an instructor, let's see, I've been at it almost 16 years now. My biggest hurdles as an instructor are breaking down pieces of information for the individual, not for the collective. The collective gets the packaged program, stance, grip, side alignment, sight picture, trigger control, follow through, breath control, things like that. They get that, right? Communicating that in the present to a person that maybe is an auditory learner, a visual learner, a tactile learner. That's the, that's the hurdles I have to overcome. And as a law enforcement firearms instructor, man, woman, whatever, they are there as a condition of their employment, not necessarily because they are seeking out the information. So you have to deal with a hurdle that when I'm in the law enforcement realm, I don't have to deal with that is just come to class in the two and a half, three years I've been doing civilian classes. I I've probably had six female shooters in the, in the two and a half years. It tends to be very male dominated. That's why I find your program so unique is you have kind of carved a niche and been very successful at it by a, just getting the female shooters to show up. So I don't know, maybe we need to buy, uh, buy, buy miss Sarah there a, a gift or something. Cause whatever it is, you, uh, 
you cracked that code and and I have a lot of of, of female shooters that before when I advertise a class will ask me a ton of questions and and that's fine I I don't turn them away but I have less success in that realm of getting them just to show up on the day of the class uh, a lot of them it, it, and I don't know if that's just because they know hey he has a law enforcement background a military background uh and, and one of the things I see universally for people that put on civilian classes, whether it be from any background, law enforcement, civilian competition, whatever it is, getting female shooters in the class, the first hurdle is just get them in the class. So do you think that yours, because you were so successful in the initial launch that that spiraled into, Hey, this guy really cares about how you becoming a proficient shooter like how did you how did you navigate that you prepare for it i I worry that my class is not going to be good enough every time and i worry that they're not going to get the most they can get because i understand that ammunition my ammunition is expensive for me my time is expensive for me and if they're willing to give me their time and spend money on a class and ammunition, then I need to make sure that like to fill the class out, find where it goes. I teach the same material every class, but I teach it accordingly to how they going to, how it's best for them to receive it. And I, and I, I try to hit all three of the, the teaching styles too. You show them, you know, you tactile, you talk to them about it, you show them, a, and then, you'll start seeing the interaction. You get them involved, and then they're helping each other. And now all of a sudden, uh, it's 9 o'clock, and you're, you're, it's 10 o'clock, you're an hour deep. And then the next thing you know, it's lunchtime. And then the next thing you know, we're shooting a qualifier. And then the next thing you know, it's 6.30. And when you get uh, at the end and somebody, you see them post something that says, how long is the class? Well, it's eight and a half hours long, but it seemed like we weren't there, but half that time. That's, that's where it's at. So you're saying when you give them, keep a, them engaged. Them a class that, yeah. It's dark when they leave here and, and you can, you're like, look, I wish we had some more light because we would go out there and I would let you bang the steel and you let them shoot. If, if they, I kind of put enough time into my classes so that if, after 40 rounds, they want to shoot some more. Then I let them shoot some more because if they, if, if they're not like shoot, I got steel that they shoot. That tries business, dude. I'm telling you the fact that they, they put 40 rounds into a target for score and then they can waste the other 10 rounds shooting the down one steel at 10 yards. And they are ringing that thing, just lighting it up. It sounds like church bells and the looks on their face. Because what, what I'm looking for is to get them on a path so that they will come back and get some more training. And when if you come out here in next year, then they'll, they'll want to come out and train because they, they see the enjoyment, plus they see and understand that they need to practice that. And with a, with a little bit of practice, proficiency comes pretty quick to them if they don't have any bad habits to start with. I'm hoping my next guest is this female instructor that I'm, that I've worked with in the past, but 
So if you had one piece of advice that you could give to any female woman that is looking at getting into defensive carry of a firearm, what would that be? Go, go take the class. Just show up. Just, just show up because you're either gonna you're either gonna like it or you're not gonna like it. It's kind of hard. I try to sell every person that comes to my class as if they're the only person in that class. That they are the most important student in the class, Man, which that, is not hard if you're enthusiastic about it. That is some sage advice, and that goes for not just female students, but but guys as well. And that is a hard balance to strike. There's there's guys that's in in the class that are really good shooters, but they some of them you just got to show that you can out shoot them. But women, you don't have to you don't have to prove yourself to them because they've already decided that they're going to come and they're going they're going to pay you to get what they're after, and then they're going to they're going to judge you, not you judge them. And I don't judge them. I don't I don't care. It don't matter to me in my class. I'm if you're a, a grandmaster shooter or you've never picked up a firearm, I don't care. Because if you're in my class, there's a reason you want to be there. Yeah. And, uh, and, it, and it's, I've got something that you want. You yeah. paid for it. I'm going to give you everything I got. And, and they're making and a financial I'm, investment. That, to me, that is yeah. the, the line that I draw between teaching a law enforcement student versus teaching a civilian student with a law enforcement student, they've made a career decision with a civilian student. They have sought you out and they are investing mm-hmm. financially in you and their time. So, because it's, it's not cheap to come and shoot 50 rounds. Now it's like a mint, like left arm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, you're talking about 50 rounds of ammunition is like 40 bucks now or 50 bucks of just range ammunition on top of a $55 class. So you're, you're into your 80, 90 bucks into a class. If I spend 80 or 90 bucks on something, I'm looking for something out of the class. So I, if you could give, I, I try to be enthusiastic as I can be about it because you got to be passionate. If you don't have any passion in your class, then they not, they don't want to be passionate. They're, they're as involved and as passionate as you are. Now, I know you do teach male students as well. If you could say one thing to the male students that attend your class, if you could uh, open their mind or give them one nugget of advice before they show up to M&S Range Therapy, what would that be? Come with an open mind and leave your ego at home. Leave your ego at home. I like that. Open mind ego at home. That's a fair point. Doing civilian classes and mine have been fairly male dominated. That is probably the number one thing that I've seen that restricts people from progressing. But also I, I I've seen a lot of male students that show up to my classes that are like, Hey man, help me unlock this thing, right? This, this inanimate thing Mm -hmm. that's out there. I need you to unlock it for me. A female shooter can show up, and as long as they get their foot in the door to the classroom, they're gonna get they're gonna get the whole the whole shooting match. Pardon the the pun, but it's been a really unique conversation we've had because 
I'm learning a lot from what you're saying about how to communicate, how to get them involved. And not only that, but, but how to break some of those communication barriers down. So what are your final thoughts on, let's say I'm a Joe Blow law enforcement instructor out here and I've decided I'm going to teach concealed carry classes and I have, let's say half my class are women and the other half are men. What can I expect? What, what is my, uh, what are some predictable things that happen when you put that dynamic together? That gets interesting because you got, you got a whole bunch of ego and a whole bunch of really apprehensive to start with. So you got to figure out, I don't know, man, you just got to go with the flow and to see how, how the, the class is going to, the class is going to kind of run itself. And then you got this spirit and then you see, but when men show up and a lot of times and see another thing too, a lot of times it's not going to be a, a group of guys. It's going to be a husband and a wife or a couple and another couple that are, are couples. And I'll, I, I like to push my product as a day date. Come on, husbands, bring your wife out to uh, MS range, range therapy and get your train on, bring them out. And all you separate, you let them sit together in class. You put the men on one end, you put the women on the other end. I put my assistant, I put either Jeremy or Chris with uh, the problems. I pick the problems out. They Bye. get a little bit of individual instruction. I put Jeremy with the men. I work down with the lady folk and we, we shoot through it and you kind of keep it going and everybody gets the attention they need. Yeah. And all. Some, so some, what's some guys are that need direction, but a lot of times it's very, very mostly it's there'll be, if it's eight women and two men, the two men are attached to the two of the women. So it's a couple, there'll be two couples and then like a, a group of ladies. So you put the, the women on one end and the men on the other end. And they usually take care of themselves. So tell me what's your, what's your reasoning behind like if, if I showed up with, with Trish, what's your reasoning behind maybe taking her and putting her on the other end of the range versus me over here? Cause I'm going to be the only instructor in class because it, cause I I'm married and it, I, I don't know if you you're married and you're t- trying to teach your wife to shoot is one of the hardest things and the easiest things that you'll do because she's not wanting to hear what you've got to say sometimes. And you get frustrated because you're wanting to progress at one speed. She's wanting to progress at another speed. And if I'm in a class with Sarah, I don't want to be where she's at because I want to do my thing so I can get what I want out of the class. And she needs to be getting what she wants because she paid for the class just like he did. And in order to give, her a hundred percent and him a hundred percent. You got to separate them because he doesn't need to be instructing her on anything. They can talk about it after the class, but I don't need him telling her to pin the trigger to the rear, do this or do that. I want her to not hear any of that. If she's never heard it before, right? Just you run the gun on this end and it works better that way. I tell them up front, y'all can sit together all you want here. But when we step out on the line and guns go hot, you're going to be on one end and she's going to be on the other end. 
because there's only one instructor on the line and that needs to be me because that's my class. That's interesting that you address it that way. I'm in total agreement. Have you, have you had a situation where you've had to separate people? Have you had that? I, I, no, no, because I don't, I don't let them. You don't let I, it happen do it, from I, the get go. <laughs> I, I, I ain't wanting to go down there because in the, at the very end, I'm the one that's going to have to put my name and number on their certificate saying that they are certified. They've took the course and they've passed the course, not the husband and the spouse or the wife. It's my name that goes on that certificate at the bottom. So I need to be satisfied with that. And I'm the one responsible for that. Not because my expectations, see, that's another thing too, that, that, I think him, some instructors up and it, and it, I know it, it jams up a husband trying to teach a wife or, or some girlfriend or, or significant other is their expectations are different. What she's expecting to do and what you expecting her to do is rarely the same. My expectations are I've showed you how to do this. We've talked about how to do this. You've proved to yourself in the first four rounds that you can do this. Now let's do this. Let's do this 10 more times from here. And once they realize that there's really no difference between three and seven yards, if you're gripping the gun so that you can consistently as hard as you can consistently grip it and you press the trigger and you, you, you can slap the crap out of it. As long as you gripping the gun as hard as you can, can consistently grip it, the rounds are going to impact relatively in the same spot from three, five, and seven yards if your sights are halfway metered. I mean, that's what you're talking about. It's simple. It's not easy sometimes, but it's simple because it's not easy to it's not easy to remember to grip the gun hard if you've had any other thoughts other than grip the gun hard. So that's why I don't even talk about it. So you posed a question the other day that came up on my social media. If you don't Tell someone they jerk the trigger. Is it a thing? Talk about that for a minute. If you don't talk about trigger jerk, is there such thing as trigger jerk? That's kind of like if the tree falls in the forest and nobody is around to hear it, did it really fall? If you don't tell them about trigger jerk, they don't know nothing about it. You've seen that video. I've, I've, that video is fantastic because that young lady is smacking the crap out of that trigger. And all her rounds are landing right there. Yep. And I, but if you don't tell them, I mean, that's the, if you don't tell them the trigger jerk or your low left or any of that, you fix their grip. You don't say anything other than make sure. And then you, you remind them to grip the gun hard and all, and they press the trigger and they, they see the verification of everything that you've talked about in four rounds at three yards. They see the gun's not going to hop out of their hand. Very unlikely, if ever, is going to blow up in their hand. They see that if they grip the gun hard, they hit where they're aiming at. And then all of a sudden, it's fun to them. And the minute it turns into fun, their mind goes away from being scared into, hey, how many more rounds are we going to shoot from here? How many more rounds are we going to shoot from here? Not so they get done, but they don't want to. They don't want to be gypped out of any of their rounds. So it's a confidence building exercise. 
Yes. Yep. So answer the question. If, uh, you didn't tell somebody about trigger jerk, would it ever be a thing? Nope. No, 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 you don't tell them. It's a, if you don't tell them, they don't even ask why in my experience, which I'm my little, little world that I live in here. If somebody is shooting low and left, if you take their pinkies off the gun, everything lines back up and they press the trigger and you go, see now grip the gun really, really hard with all your fingers, press the trigger. And it hits the same spot. It's like magic. You're like, Oh, like, there you go. And then once, once they see it once or twice, you don't, you don't tell them about trigger jerk. You tell them that it's not gripping the gun. So now they associate that miss with not gripping the gun hard and their brain is telling them to grip the gun hard so that they hit the center. And it's, it's psychological. The brain's funny, man. It is. You tell them what you want them to know, man. That is a ton of information. And, uh, I appreciate your time on the female shooter aspect. Where can a listener find if they're in the, let's say the greater, oh, Fayetteville, Raleigh, Durham, that, that kind of Metroplex there, North Carolina, where can we find, uh, MS range therapy do you have a website or facebook or they've got a facebook page MS range therapy yeah and I, on facebook i know a guy that 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 does uh he has a company called eastridge training and consulting llc uh he might be out there next year so uh MS range therapy is uh probably my favorite place on earth to go put on a class. And, uh, we've done it exactly one time for two days and it was exceptional. So anyway, uh, so Facebook at M and S is that the symbol and, or is it? Yeah. If they put M and S range therapy, it should come up. Okay. And you're primarily right now you're doing North Carolina, uh, concealed carry permit classes, but, uh, I'm sure there'll be more to come down the road. I'm going to go ahead and roll us out. Thanks again, Michael Burgess from MS Range Therapy for coming on the off-duty, on-duty podcast to talk about uh, kind of an area of, of training that I'm a little, uh, well, to, to self-identify, I'm a little lacking in that department. All right, off-duty, on-duty podcast episode number 17. Reminder, check out our sponsor, Mountain Man Medical at mountainmanmedical.com. Get your tourniquets, your pressure dressings, all that good stuff, IFAC kits, and uh, get it at a really reasonable price. If you're an agency, reach out to those guys, please. They're all about uh, combat and tactical medical, and I think they do it as affordable as anybody else on the market you haven't already please subscribe to the podcast on itunes google play spotify or wherever you like to listen to podcasts if there's not a platform that we're on just send us a message at offdutyonduty.com and we'll we'll do our best to get it up on that platform the off duty on duty podcast is a production of eastridge training and consulting llc
Eastridge Training and Consulting, LLC, presents the following content for educational purposes only. Always take proper precautions, follow all firearm safety rules, consult with a competent firearms instructor, and have trained medical staff on hand when operating live firearms. Legal content, commentary, or explanations do not constitute legal advice. We are not attorneys and recommend always consulting with competent legal counsel when researching or seeking to understand laws and legal application. Eastridge Training and Consulting LLC, its participants, partners, and affiliates are not liable for any action taken based on the content of this shared podcast. 